Hey guys, it's Andrew Doby here with Just a Chat With. If this is your first listen, Just a Chat With is a podcast series where we talk brand and creativity with the world's best in class. In the last episode, I sat down with Gavin Quirk, who is the head of fulfillment and operations in the global creative production team at Netflix. With nearly, nearly 20 years of experience in brand and marketing strategy, Gavin started his career in London um, at Diageo, working on brands like Guinness, Jose Covero, and Three Barrels Brandy. Uh, I had an amazing time with Gavin talking strategy, so go check that one out. Before now, though, we've had people on the podcast like founder of Fantasy Interactive, David Martin, world-renowned designer, Michael Wolf, brand legend and author of The Brand Gap, Marty Newmeyer, and many, many more. In today's episode, though, I've just finished recording with Andy Nairn, um, who's one of the co-founders um, of Lucky Generals in London. Um, Andy was in his home in London, and we talked about all sorts of great stuff, like their recent Amazon ad for the Super Bowl. Um, we talked about definition of brand. We also talked about his latest book, Go Luck Yourself, which is currently available for pre-order. And we also talked about Dolly Parton. Um, we had an amazing time, so enjoy. So, hey everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of Just a Chat With. I'm your host, Andrew Dobby. Today, I'm very excited as we're here with Andy Nairn. Uh, Andy is the founding partner of Lucky Generals, or one of the founding partners of Lucky Generals, which have offices in London and New York. With nearly 30 years experience in the creative industry, Andy is now one of the most respected and renowned brand strategists. As one of the UK's most successful creative agencies, Lucky Generals have done and are famed for their amazing work for the likes of Amazon, Yorkshire Tea, Paddy Power, and uh, The Co-op, and many, many, many more. Um, they've also been short listed for Campaign Magazine's Agency of the Year for the last five years in a row. Andy has been named the country's top strategist for the last two years in a row and one of the top five creative people in the world um, of advertising by Business Insider. And now Andy wants to share some of his luck with others. So look at us. Uh, he's donating his royalties from his first book, Go Luck Yourself, to Commercial Break, an organization that helps working class talent break into the creative industries. We'll talk more about Andy's book in just a moment. Andy grew up in the Scottish borders, um, but now has worked in London since 1993, apart from a short period um, living in San Francisco. Um, he now lives out in the sticks in Berkshire. Is that correct, Andy? Yeah, that's right. We've got that right. Uh, he's been married for 21 years and has three children, uh, ages 19, 15 and 12. Um, so probably a very busy house during lockdown, I'd imagine. Mm -hmm. um, Andy also plays all sorts of musical instruments very badly, I read, um, <laughs> and supports a variety of frustrating sports teams. Andy, thanks so much for being here. So great to have you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Because that's like, um, this is your life or something like that. <laughs> I know. A life flashing before me and drowning or something like that, which is quite a good metaphor for uh, the last year or so, I suppose. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think it's always it's always funny, actually, when you read that. I always, it's, it's very difficult to read these uh, long <laughs> long paragraphs out, but I always yeah. like seeing the expression on people's faces. As they're, as they're, they're reminded by things they'd forgotten that had happened in their life. Or... <laughs> there's, there's no right expression because you, you basically end up wanting to punch yourself in through most of it you're thinking god he sounds quite smug and sort of happy with himself or other bits you're going Have I, oh bloody hell 30 years i feel ancient now but um technically all the details were technically correct so i can't really pick you up on anything oh good good well i'm glad i'm glad we got that we got that all correct um you know how how, how have been things treating you 2020 2021 the world's longest combined year how have yeah. things been well that's that's the that's the nature of it, isn't it we've all sort of uh lost track of time and um it, it does feel like it's been a sort of a, a century rather than a year um it's good it's it's been an adjustment for all of us um work-wise we've been a bit luckier than most you know we've we've got a couple of very big clients who have um been right at the thick of all things um you know uh of lockdown you know so amazon and co-op have obviously yeah. been really busier than ever actually so we were a bit insulated from some of the worst effects by having those two um clients and a couple of other ones mm -hmm. that have done really well 
Um, but you know, like everyone, it's not been um, you know always plain sailing. There's been a lot of uh, unforeseen difficulties. You just have to try and go with the punches. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting point. You you know you, you mentioned there it is it's actually you know, if you survived through that last year, it was a lot down to luck of, you know, the, the makeup of your clients, isn't it? You know, yeah. Amazon, as you say, e-commerce, and they were already heading in, in, a, in a great direction. And and the co-op, I mean, my local shop is a co-op and it's, I've never been there more than I have in my yeah. uh, my, my life. And it's, it's the same with us in our agency. We had some food and drink, we had some healthcare and and luckily those, you know, those two two things um, were were. were we're, we're, we're some of the least um in terms of impact yeah yeah that's right um, yeah I, so i i suppose then in terms of like um you know you you've had a, a, a obviously a very busy year just in terms of the normal stuff that you have to do running a business and adapting to all of this but also specifically you know you, you've you've just uh you've had a super bowl ad out you've been working on launching a book uh you know do you want to talk us through a little bit about well, go go for go for which either one you you wish first. Um, we've well we've been busy on all sorts of things. We've we've uh, been working on um, uh, Super Bowl spots for Amazon for the last three years now. I think this is our um, our third year, um, yeah. and um, it's you know it's just an amazing privilege, and it's quite a funny thing for us to do. Um, from our, you know, office in because this was done from our office in London rather than we have we do have an office now in New York, but yeah. it was a funny thing. And when we were first approached to do it um, three years ago for the first time, it was really weird because then we were, um, you know, uh, a, a much smaller agency uh, in London and didn't you know couldn't really claim to understand even the the beginnings of the rules of American football, let alone the sort of the culture of. The Super Bowl. So it's been a great thing to work on, obviously, with such a culturally important brand as Amazon. Um, and what you don't realize is not really a sort of a, there's not an equivalent in this country, really, of an event which is so, such a cultural moment where the whole nation really does stop and watches. Yeah. And um, and in particular, that they stop and watch the ads. I mean, people were, you know, um, you know, really, they vote on them afterwards. Uh, so there's a huge public vote that's organized by USA Today. Uh, and the first time we did this, we were um, the first British agency to ever win the public vote for the best advertising. Wow. Um, and actually, this year we were third sort of thing. So we're a, a top three finisher is our sort of consistent. No, it's not bad. Not, <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. Um, but it's just a fascinating, you know, and they're a very interesting client to work with because they're they're very smart themselves. They're very creative. You know, they've got a creative um, department, which is obviously a, quite a big thing in the industry these days, um, you know, working with in-house um, creatives. Uh, so yeah, that's been a fabulous uh, journey with us. So that's on the on the biggest stage of all. But we've also yeah. had lots of fun, you know, doing sort of much more sort of small, you know, local things, and um, uh, you know, for for much more British brands like Yorkshire Tea and. and I love I love the Yorkshire Tea thing. I thought uh, that was fantastic. The, 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 sorry, the big long spouts. Yeah, that was a funny thing. So we've again we've worked for with Yorkshire Tea. We, what we try and do with all our clients is we we don't always want to have millions of clients. We wanted a smaller client list, mm-hmm. but have longer relationships and deeper relationships. So we, yeah. you know, we really like working with the people we like we're working with. And it's a nice thing to be able to choose. You know, when you're running your own agency, you can sort of, as you know, you can pick. You can, you know, within certain um, yeah, yeah. parameters, you can choose who you work with. And and Yorkshire Tea have been lovely as well in a very different way than Amazon, obviously. Um, but uh, we've we've had this idea about doing things proper because it's like a real Yorkshire word, doesn't it? We, uh, and we actually spotted it on the factory wall when we are going around. It said, we do things proper. And we thought, that's really, really nice. We'll lift that. And we turned it into an idea, which was where everything's done proper. Um, and then when, when you've got a big, powerful brand idea like that, that you're running through everything, then when something like lockdown happens, it's it's much easier to react and adjust. Yeah. And so what we did was we thought, okay, well, if we're doing everything proper, how could we help people in lockdown, especially when we're all coming back into work and we're going to make our first cup of tea, it's going to be a bit awkward. And so we thought we'd give people a proper laugh and we we sort of created this ridiculous long-spouted uh, teapot, which was absolutely rubbish at doing its job, but sort of <laughs> served the point to kind of say, yeah, we're all going to feel a bit you know anxious or nervous about being in close proximity to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was a big hit. Um, last autumn, I suppose, at a time when we all thought that that was 
you know, going to be us back for good. And of course, yeah. it turned out not to be the case, but hopefully it will be now. I think what was nice about it in my in my mind when I when I saw it and it came up on the feed, and first of all, obviously didn't know it was you until I you know read read further. But um, I think a lot of brands are scared to touch humour, um, yeah. and very initially, especially with COVID, you're, you're kind of because you you realise that everyone it impacts everyone in different ways, shape, or form, and some people lost their jobs, some people health, you know, and so on. But I think the humour does a great thing. It kind of uh, you know it, it then gave other brands permission to go right okay we can we can start to, to to do that again have you got i suppose have you got any tips for like in terms of when you were approaching that in terms of strategic thinking how did you persuade yorkshire tea that this was the right moment to take or that you felt confident that it was the right you know right move well as i say i think it's so much easier once a brand has got like a really clear sense of what they are all about in the first place then you're not having a undergo sort of psychoanalysis, you know, in the middle of a crisis sort of thing is a difficult thing. So because they have got a very clearly defined tone of voice, they feel very confident about who they are, then it didn't take much persuading. I mean, we, we were all conscious of not wanting to, you know, it's, it, it is to use that cliche that we kept on getting told it was unprecedented times. So we didn't want to do something that was going to, you know, uh, misstep or misjudge the moment but mm-hmm. we did really feel we did a lot of research and everyone was saying just what you said was just god we all need to have a laugh as well this is mm-hmm. precisely in times of crisis you need to to be able to smile and it's a release isn't it and um, obviously you would choose your topics you know there's some things you wouldn't want to make fun of but it's sort of if your brand is already a funny you know light-hearted brand as Yorkshire Tease is mm-hmm. then you should you should behave in a crisis just you know you should yeah. apply that you know and not suddenly turn into somebody different i think it'd be different actually to be somebody like the co-op for instance who is not mm-hmm. you know um i don't think a funny brand it doesn't try to be a comedian it's it's mm-hmm. a much more soulful spiritual you know it's got some real um you know it's 175 years old and it's yeah. you know but the collective good so it's got an amazing sort of brand purpose but if they started cracking jokes i think we'd all be thinking god what's the co-op and doing, you know, sometimes we can have a bit of a lighthearted tone, but we, I think they wouldn't have done something like that. But then they were able to respond in much more corpy ways, like working with Marcus Rashford. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what they did best. So I think the trick is to behave in your own character rather than suddenly, yeah, suddenly trying to be someone else. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. So, yeah, so they did. You know, we we got together with Marcus Rashford and. Um, and fair share and gave up some of our airtime to, you know, to raise money for charity and, you know, food poverty and stuff like that. Um, so it's horses for courses, really. Um, and the brands, I think, that have really struggled are the ones that didn't quite know what they were all about or yeah. suddenly started talking in very sombre Mm-hmm. You know, tones mm-hmm. with a little piano, tinkly piano track. I, I, I found that, I, you know, I found it really interesting. You know, when you know you'd watch Boris Johnson to be on, and then you would see the ad breaks thereafter, and you you almost could feel brands scrambling to how do we talk now, and 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 should yeah. people have masks on in adverts, and you know, and yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, yes, and so that you know, everybody ended up being the same. Uh, you know, and it was just sort of generic COVID tone of voice. Um, uh, but you know, within within that, you know, there were lots of opportunities to do different mm-hmm. different things, and that was a, a a fun thing. One of the one of the funnest things I think we did was quite a small thing, but we did we worked with a property website called Zoopla, mm-hmm. um, and of course they were sort of more or less um, inactive for quite a big stretch of the lockdown because the housing market sort of ceased to exist but yeah, yeah. um we still there was a lot of pent-up demand because of course we're all sitting in like i'm in now in this you know little room absolutely sick of the sight of this room and we're all starting to plot our you know we either want to move out to the country or get a bigger yeah. place or you know the kids have got to get separate bedrooms because driving us mad or whatever it is and so everyone was sort of wanting to think about property and so there was but they couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't go and visit yeah. or do viewing. So, so that was a bit of a challenge for them. And so what we did was we we sort of saw on social media that a lot of people were uh, making home forts. You know, like you do your kids like the cushions <laughs> and blankets. And and so we did a competition to to do that and then to list them in you know in the style of estate agents. You know, this this beautiful bijou little yeah. uh, number with a lovely cushion roof. You know, and it was just a yeah. fun way to get the brand. Um, top of mind even though you yeah. couldn't actually buy from us at the at that moment in time yeah and, that, that, and that's it's so nice that and it's something it's been able to spot those little things and yeah. like I, I always um you know I, I were building um 
forts in the in the bedroom with my son the other night. And it's sometimes it's there's a weird point in where you've got to for a second stop enjoying the moment and think about what the moment is, isn't there? To kind of yeah, identify yeah, that's right. it exactly. Um, you know, it's sort of a, uh, just being mindful, and I guess that's been part of the journey, isn't it? Of uh, the last um, year, just you know, there are lots of bad stuff you know going on, mm-hmm. but trying to enjoy bits of the moment and adjust to them and turn them into good things has been a yeah exactly exactly it's i think that's the trick of the strategist the planner that you know the creative if you've got to kind of try and see with you know different lenses haven't you at the same time mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. so uh, um you know um i suppose jump jumping back a second just to the, the the super bowl stuff um you know obviously that's you know you kind of rolled it off the you know done it the last three years and it's like for so many people that's the holy grail of what, what they want to do in terms of you know that's the, the the place you want to have your creative showing um it's one of the brands in the the biggest brands in the world now and you've kind of got the marrying of both so it's surely a, a huge high point in your career and I, I suppose i'm interested just to kind of you know, do, do you feel completely like I have arrived or, you know, you've, you've more to do? But also, I suppose, in that journey with Super Bowl and Amazon, how much freedom are you given, Andy? And kind of how much control and direction there have you got? Um, it's very much a partnership. So I, I should uh, fess up and say that I personally have got uh, nothing really to do with the, uh, the the Super Bowl lads. I can't claim that. The, the agency does. Right. Uh, so I feel like I'm sort of, uh, you know, I've, I've perhaps got us uh, into a nice position to be able to work with you know client as strong say that's partly you're doing I'm cheering them on from the sidelines let's say and um they're they're, they're just a great team they as I say they're obviously really smart people and very creative people and then it just makes it pretty effortless to collaborate they've got an amazing in-house creative director that our creative director my partner is very close to and they, you know, they chuck ideas around at quite early stages, and then, um, you know, it's a it's a long process to making them happen. But it's very it's very much together. You know, I remember the very first one we did, which is, um, which I think is a really good sort of example of how they work. Is um, the brief was how do you promote Alexa and remind everyone that she's the preeminent, the best form of voice technology, and we couldn't do without her. And you know, at that time certainly there was a couple of other pretenders to the throne you know from really good yeah. big brands and you know, google and apple and, and so on yeah um and so so the idea was well alexa's well she's got a human name for a starter and she just feels like she possibly could be a bit more human than some of the others so maybe there's something quite interesting because like we like when humans you know when there's a tiny little flaw you know when there's something you know that's not always perfect yeah. so we thought what if what if alexa lost her voice what would we all do then and um, and the way that that came about was Danny was sort of thinking about who's the, my creative partner was thinking about the Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. and just shared a picture of the Little Mermaid, you know, the Hans Christian Andersen and Disney sort of character that lo- loses her voice, and shared that as a just as a picture with the client. So it wasn't like a here and here's the script. It was just if you thought about this, wouldn't it be amazing if this happened? Yeah. And then start riffing about it, and it and then it grows legs, and then you know fast forward six months, and we literally took the um, you know, the the engineers and the, the product, the Alexa product, and made it an Easter egg in the product. So if you had said who's going to win the Super Bowl, um, the product would start, you know, the Alexa would start coughing <clears throat> and then not be able to answer. And that created a lot of buzz and, you know, people's social media saying, what's happening to Alexa? And then you do the teaser and then you do the ad and you do a big, you know, so it's a whole um, ecosystem of work around it. You know, that's sorry. coughing right on, on uh, point very, uh, you know, yeah, sorry, I can't, I can't stop coughing now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, and that, that was, and I think that was really brave because for a huge, you know, what, you know, one of the biggest brands in the world to show their product, you know, uh, not quite working on, on the biggest stage in world advertising, mm-hmm. um, actually made us all feel much more positively about Amazon because it was, you know, there was self-deprecation where Jeff Bezos in the ad, you know, asking what was going wrong. And, you know, we, you know, it's a company that can have a little bit of fun with itself, which is uh, mm-hmm. a big learning. So, did yeah. You get, we, did you get to meet Jeff? Did you? Uh, so Danny, Danny did. And Jeff is quite sort of hands-on with a lot of the work that we do. So, you know, everything he sees things, you know, we, that we create on, you know, our holidays campaign that we've done for the last four years for them with the singing boxes and things like that, or, um, we did an ad with a ballerina who uh, 
who couldn't get to dance at her uh, sort of uh, big concert um, at Christmas that you might have seen. So yeah, he's he's pretty hands on in all of um, this kind of stuff. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So um, you know, as I said earlier, you've been busy, very busy as well on a book. Um, so mm-hmm. your book comes out when? It's actually out in uh, June, the beginning of June. Um, but the way that all sort of book things work is you, you, they're available for pre-order now. So you can order it now and it'll come in a, in a couple of months. Um, yeah, so I, I'm trying to think when this will be aired. So for those listening, we're recording today on the 24th of February. So most likely um, by the time this goes out, Andy's book will be live. So if you check below in the comments, there will be there'll, there'll be a link magically appearing so that you can go and get Andy's book. But Andy, I'm, I'm interested to to hear all about it, where, where the idea came and kind of what the process has been like for you as well in doing so. Yeah, great. So the book is called uh, Go Luck Yourself. Uh, so um, which I... I it's all about the idea of um, uh, the role of luck in building a brand. Um, and what I, so I became aware of last year, actually, because it was obviously a very unlucky year in a lot of ways last year, sitting at home thinking, God, what have we all done to deserve this? And uh, I realized that actually, A, I am a lot luckier than a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people got much worse off than um, you or I have. And that, so I thought, don't, you know, um, wallow in self-pity here, mate. Um maybe try and do something about it. And then secondly, I kind of thought, yeah, but this word luck is kind of interesting because obviously it's in my company name, but in seven years of having a company called Lucky Journals, I've never ever thought about luck or talked about it or researched it or found out what it's about. And I, and the more I dug into it, the more I realized it was a bit of a taboo that nobody talks about luck. I mean, nobody ever sort of, I'm sure nobody comes on here probably until I've done it today and sort of uh, talked about how lucky they've been because generally we you know luck is an insult isn't it if you say that you're lucky it's not a good thing um and I think um so the more I sort of discovered about that and the more I dug into things like psychology and so on I realized there's a whole bunch of things that you can do to improve your luck and crucially that 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 applies to organizations too so the book is really about how you can stack the odds in your brand's uh favor uh, and then all the all the proceeds I'm giving to all the all the royalties uh, are going to, uh, as you said at the beginning, an organisation that uh, helps working class kids get a break into the industry. So there's sort of a karma, a book about luck that hopefully will you know bring a bit of luck to other people. So 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 how do how do we go about engineering some more luck into our life then? I think there's a whole bunch of things, and some of them we've probably almost touched on a little bit already, sort of inadvertently. But ones ones to appreciate what you've got. So much stuff in life, and I think this applies to companies too, is we don't realise all the amazing lucky things that we have. Um, and we maybe fixate on some of the stuff we don't have. But, you know, there's a lovely Roald Dahl quote, which is, we're all of us a great deal luckier than we realise, which I think this comes from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I think that's true of, you know, a lot of us as individuals, but also as as brands, there's often a sort of, a, you know, they might be sitting on a gold mine of information or data or they might have a really great history or logo or heritage that they could play off. And they just, they just need someone to come in there and say, do you know what? That is amazing. You need to meet more of that. Um, so there's, there's a whole bunch of strategies around that. Then there's a whole bunch of things about looking out for opportunities all over the place, because we can, especially at the moment, we can have our heads, you know, buried in the day to day. And, you know, we can learn from all sorts of other sectors or, you know, music or sport or, you know, lots of the other best strategies come from elsewhere. And then something we've talked about is turning bad luck into good luck, you know, so especially as we've all been dealt a load of bad luck. And, you know, a lot of the best brand strategies are where you take, you know, a disaster or a crisis or a flaw and turn that into something uh, uh, useful. And then the, the final sort of section is all about um, practicing luck, which sounds like a bit of a oxymoron. It sort of sounds like um, being spontaneously... Um, uh, so being planned, spontaneous, you know, sort of uh, approach, it sounds like it doesn't make sense. But I think you can practice being lucky because you can create opportunities deliberately for where which will increase the chance of lucky stuff happening. You know, like serendipity. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the best companies I've worked with have have done that. They've engineered almost luck into the process. They've left little gaps for little collisions to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but that's not the norm. 
Yeah, it's like it's like you know, it's like you mentioned the Little Mermaid thing earlier yeah. on. You know, like by showing that Little Mermaid, that you know, you're you're, you're allowing luck to happen, and yeah. you know, yeah, I, I think it's such a such an interesting topic, and um, I've I've also at the same time been I've not read your book yet because I pre-ordered it, um, and we don't obviously have it um, in in my hands yet. But I've been actually I've been reading Rory Sutherland's book. Oh, yeah. recently and Rory's coming on the podcast uh, in a few weeks time and um, I, I, I almost like feel like he talks a lot about leaving room for magic and it's yeah. kind of like it's you need to leave room for magic and luck is <laughs> yeah. you know there, there, there's kind of both of those things plus logic that we require for for amazing things to come to life isn't it um, yeah. yeah I think that's absolutely right and we in our culture especially in the west anyway We've got a sort of a belief that luck is a bad thing. You know, as I say, it's an insult. And and also it's because it's a bit scary and it's a bit unpredictable. We like to try and um, limit it. So, you know, when in the very odd occasion that you do talk about luck in yeah. in brand building or advertising, it's usually somebody saying things like, we don't want to leave anything to chance or let's take luck out of the process. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think, well, why are you taking luck out of the process? You should be building <laughs> luck into the process. like a really good thing. That, um, but it means that you... You have processes that make things more predictable, um, but also remove the chance for those lucky little things to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lovely, in the book I sort of talk about, um, Quincy Jones, who you will know is a, is a great, um, sort of one of the best all-time record producers. And he's got this brilliant phrase, which he has on the wall of his studio, which is, let the Lord walk through the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I really love that idea. You know, he's he's very methodological, so he's like quite a process, you know, sort of guy. Um, and but he does sort of realize that there's a time where the magic or the you know the the luck has to take over, and so he'll deliberately leave little gaps for you know unusual collaborations or things that weren't in the script in the first place to, that might just happen on the day, sort of thing. Um, and that's where the really exciting stuff happens. Yeah, I think I, I was talking to someone about that because I read that in one of your articles. Um, say, say the quote again. It was leave enough room for. Yeah, let the Lord walk the, through the room. Yeah, and I, and I, 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 I think it's such a good point because to put it another way of kind of thinking about it is that. So I'm I'm very creative, ideas driven, but I'm terrible at structure and order, right? But I've got a co-director that's like the yin to my yang, Stephen. He's like my polar opposite and we're, we work great together and we, we were talking a few months back that especially during covid as well right is that you can paralyze yourself with trying to look at spreadsheets and logic and details where the human gut and luck yeah. and these things you know there's there's something that we have inside us that you need to kind of let there be a room for isn't there yeah. and yeah you know, you because you can just kind of try and, you know, you can try and look at everything from research and insight, but that's looking at the past. And to create amazing futures, you need to you need to let human spirit in some sort of form have a space, don't you? De- definitely. I, I always sort of say, um, you know, I mean, obviously as a strategist, I'm a great believer in rigor, um, but there comes a point when rigor becomes rigor mortis and it becomes this sort <laughs> of um, thing where just, like you say, you, everything is so predictable um, that it, becomes a problem you know predict predict being predictable in our world is not necessarily a good thing is it it's a sort of uh um again uh we don't want our work to be predictable probably in the outside world um so wouldn't it be nicer if we have that uh, what i love when you launch a new campaign which would be true of those super bowl campaigns Mm -hmm. where you you, you're a little bit scared because you don't know how they're going to land you're sort of excited by them and there's that lovely frisson though that you think Ah, oh, this could bomb, or you know, will this be as good as the last one? And you, whereas if you just sort of rock up thinking, yeah, this is pretty average on point, you know, it's sort of it'll probably do a good job. I don't know, it's sort of that might be more predictable, um, yeah. but I feel like there's more excitement and thrill in in having a little bit of oh god, this could go either way, sort of thing. Yeah. So, is, have you got any practical tips for how teams can do that? How they can kind of just leave that gap, or how they can, you know, let that bit of luck god craziness magic whatever we want to call it in there how do we leave that gap i think there's lots of different ways it's you know organizations sometimes they structure themselves in a way that allows for that so um i used to work with paddy power for a long time and they've got a mischief department yeah the best ever uh like job title you know head of mischief 
Um, and it's about they exist purely to do crazy fun, you know, stuff that mm-hmm. that doesn't have to justify as a very really strong commercial return. It's just you know naughty pranks mm-hmm. and stunts and stuff like that. So that's one way giving it to sort of a certain group, or um, it's about making different groups come together. And you know, I think Apple famously designed their buildings so that you have to different departments have to sort of cross mm-hmm. over each other's territory and you know cross-fertilize and stuff like that um or a lot of companies in silicon valley at the moment uh, ring fence a bit of time you know i think 3i for many years they've had a sort of a um a a a a program whereby you have a certain amount of time ring fenced you know for crazy projects that that are not really on your job list but they might turn out something incredible one day um and so i think you know it's they're all they're that's what I mean about they're thought through. They they are spont they're planned spontaneity. They are somebody yeah. thinking about how you can create luck. Um which sounds yeah, like so a I, but it No, I think I think I, I think I get your point. It's like made brave. We have you know the word bravery is hardwired into the brand. So we can kind of say to people, I know that doesn't feel safe, but be brave, do the brave thing. So we're almost hardwiring yeah. into the yeah. culture and almost by having yeah. lucky generals lucky in your name. It gives you that yeah. excuse to kind of there's no no we need to have space for luck this might not work but we might be lucky <laughs> and yeah. you know I, I love that that it's 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 the same with your Yorkshire tea example you you found and you identified that the proper thing was already there but you're mm. now taking it and letting them use that to empower an idea yeah yeah and I, so yeah that would be a good example of the first sort of stuff I was talking about the appreciating what you got and you know sometimes these answers are like you know literally written on the wall as it was in that case it's on a factory wall and um we spotted it and turned into into something um this is actually quite surprising how many um great ideas come from that sort of thing so uh, a much more sort of long-running um idea than that would be the Vorsprung durch technique which is the famous Audi line so John Hegarty spotted that on a factory wall walking around um you know in germany and thought oh that's amazing what does it mean and then rather than do what most of us would do which is either forget about it or or translate it he just lifts it lock yeah. stock and barrel and which i think is, i always think that's an amazing piece of it's luck in the sense of he spotted the opportunity but then you still have to do something yeah. with it and most of us wouldn't have and the other great one was i think trevor Beatty when he was in the office of um fc uk saw a fax coming out of the fax machine so it shows it was a while ago and um all these faxes kept coming through with fc uk on and he he thought that's amazing that's that's you know that can be you know i can just turn that into all these amazing provocative headlines um and most of us again would have just not paid attention to the fax machine so having your eyes open all the time is like a really good way of increasing your chances of luck yeah i think i think it's I think when you're younger and as a creative, you, you you often think that you have to create everything and you have to create something for people. But it's it's not. It's often seeing what they can't see in themselves, isn't it? It's yeah. Like the best, I think the best comedians do that, don't they? They sort of they find something that you do that you haven't really thought about before, but when they shine a light on it, then you go, "Oh my god, that is so true." I do that. You know, that's horrendous or that's hilarious. And um, whereas if you totally invent something, you don't have that relatability you know either in the, for the comedian you have people in the audience thinking well that's not true i don't do that or for brands it's harder for the brand to own it because you're thinking that's that's just a funny ad that's got nothing to do with the brand whereas if you think no that is that's rooted in what i think about the brand proper is what they say in yorkshire so i believe that would be something that yorkshire tea would say that all kind of adds up then um in a way that it wouldn't do for any old brand yeah, no, fantastic. Um, so, so Andy, I suppose your your agency has grown pretty significantly in the last few years. I mean, how how many people are you now? I think we're about eighty in London and maybe twenty or thirty in New York. I think. Yeah, I suppose. Have you any lessons from growing through that growth of just you know a, a lot of the, our listeners are kind of maybe smaller agencies, people getting started, and you know, um, I'm just keen to understand or know you know anything you've learned through that process that you think is invaluable yeah. to pass down that you could have you wish you'd known a few years ago. Yeah, do you know what? it's not rocket science? I don't think, and I'm sure you and many of your um, people watching or listening to this will, will sort of get this. But 
to me, it's not about trying to be big for the sake of it. We never want to do that. We would be very happy if we we're a lot smaller, but still having as much fun and you know, as much fulfillment. So I think if you pursue growth for its own sake, it can have a corrosive effect because then you start chasing opportunities that you might not be right for and all the rest of it. So we, we've never really thought about our size. Um, we've just thought about the quality of our work. So that sort of helps. Then it doesn't become an obsession, you know, that you were always thinking about. That's why I could hardly think about what, when you asked us, it's not really something I ever really think about. But, um, and then the other thing is just how important culture is. Um, you know, every single, especially at that size, when you hire one person, that's quite a big chunk of the culture, you know, because percentage wise, you're sort of maybe, you know, but certainly back in the early days when we were 20 people, you know, if you hired one person, that's whatever that is, one twentieth, so five percent of the yeah. uh, the company. It, so it's like important, and that person can be, you know, somebody on reception. You know, we've had amazing people on reception because that's the front of house. That is where first impressions are set, and and um, just believing that everyone in the company can play that role to create the company culture. That's all we've got at the end of the, any creative business, and you will know this is we're all. Uh, people businesses so we're dependent on the people yeah and and um I, I suppose then in terms of kind of that culture um it's something i'm very interested in and kind of you know that i often believe brands are built from the inside out and that if you can if you know if you can really embed you know um like strong values in the business and kind of a sense of purpose a sense of direction you know for for the team um you know that the, they will go on to grow amazing brands you know um I, I suppose i'm just interested to know what what you think makes a great culture you know um is there any lessons just in terms of that 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 that, 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 that come to mind i think it is about um it's, it's partly about leadership isn't it so whoever starts a place up um has to set an example and you know lead by example and and even when that costs them money you know there's that old phrase you know principle is not a principle until it costs you so it requires you to turn down it's, you know, it's easy to say that you know we we only you know pitch for this kind of business but but then when somebody comes and dangles a big bag of money in front of you to do something that would be not uh fun then it requires you to say no to it so i think saying no actually is quite a big part of our culture what define yourself also by what you're not going to do um and and then it's just empowering and allowing people to sort of not making it sit in stone like i think encouraging other people to to build it as they go yeah. and you know that it's not this is the only way that we do things around here you know it's sort of you set a general direction of travel i mean i think the other thing is we've we've found and then a few of the same is like we we try not to be too heavy-handed about sort of setting out in in um you know, guidelines, you know, this is our company culture. It sort of should feel like a bit more organic and, you know, it's it's something we live and breathe rather than sort of create, um, you know, uh, pyramids and, uh, you know, it's, uh, brand onions and stuff like that. Only because, you know, because we do that sort of stuff for our clients, but I think for an organisation of our size, um, it, it's, it just lives and breathes with the individual human beings and there's, we don't need to be too formal about it, I don't think. Yeah, well, I think there's something nice that someone said to me recently is like rather than thinking about people as a culture fit for your business, think about them as a culture add. And so every yeah. time you go to hire, like what that, what else can that bring? And totally, yeah. I, I think that's really, I think that's really good. Otherwise, you sort of get into that spiral of just hiring people like you, and um, the, you know, there's obviously got to be a sort of a, a sort of uh you know some sort of spiritual sort of uh, kind of uh, connection i guess if you like that's not too uh weird i, I think to say but just so many different flavors of that you know and yeah and that's what will keep you alive and growing and yeah there's like something that feeds through the middle we had philip yeah. Mounier, the co-founder of sid lee you know they've got i think over a thousand people in his agency and and he quite nicely put it that you know that, that there's a kind of sid lee culture but in Paris, they've got some Parisness, and yeah. you know, in Toronto, they've got some of that. And they've there's there's something that unites them all, but they almost let each each different area kind of um, add their own flavor, which I you know also yeah. think is lovely. And he also mentioned that you know once you have all those different locations, you get different viewpoints from everywhere, and it's a real nice melting pot for creativity. Definitely, definitely, definitely. and you can't you know when we went over to New York, we were very mindful that you know we just because we've been successful over here you can't um be big-headed and think that you know you're going to smash it over there and it is a different market and 
we've known lots of American agencies with great reputations who've sort of not done as well in in the UK. So um, it is about having a bit of our cultural DNA. You know, so we literally sent our, our managing director over there. So he was kind of our DNA. But then then building around that an American team and an American culture and uh, the American flavour uh, yeah. of us sort of thing is you need a bit of both, I think. Yeah, no, fantastic, fantastic. Now, this is a question we'd like to ask everyone, and we're very interested in your uh, definition of this, but it's, it's not always an easy one to get on the spot. I'm so terrified. if you need I'm, I'm thinking, you know, yeah. it just, uh, we're, you know, we're very, uh, I suppose, interested to hear your definition of brand. Brand is a thing that people say all, you know, it's thrown around everywhere. And over many years, we've all developed ways of describing it. Um, Jeff Bezos, as an example, says it's what other people say about you when you're not in the room. Um, Marty Newmeyer, we had on the podcast on the on on here as well. He talks about it's not a visual facade; it's a living pattern of behaviour. Um, of, of behaviours, a pattern of behaviour. If if you need a minute to think, I'm going to give you a minute to think. But I'm pretty sure you'll have a good answer um, wrapped up there somewhere. I think what I mean the way I always talk about it is it's how you, how you how people feel about you, how people genuinely feel about you. Um, there's been lots of people observe similar things. I mean, I think Jeff Bezos' sort of uh, quote is, is a little bit in that direction. And I feel like maybe Jeremy Bullmore, you know, the great old wise old man of British advertising, maybe said something like it's how other people think about you. And I, I'm sort of in that camp. Maybe it's more about how they feel about you rather than think. Because I, I just don't think that people think all that much about brands, but they have a kind of a rough feeling. And often the feeling is driven not by advertising, it's by how brands behave. I think that's what we yeah. increasingly realise now, isn't it? It's what the brands do. Um, what was that? Was it Maya? So I'm now just doing this off the off the um, cuff, which is probably disastrous. Bad <laughs> move. Trying to remember quotes that, but isn't it Maya Angelou had said something like, "People won't remember what you did or what you said to them, but they'll remember how they made you feel." I think. Yeah. So I feel like that's yes. Yeah, so I've had to get the the cogs turning there, but yeah. I, I feel like that's very true of brands. We've we we've got very very patchy feelings about most brands and you know for a lot of brands we don't remember anything because they've never made us feel anything but there's a sort of a there might just be a slight fuzzy feeling that they're quite nice and they're not so nice mm -hmm. uh, and it might be not that much deeper than that yeah i think i think it's kind, it's kind of reputation isn't it all of it mm. feeds back to reputation so how someone makes you feel it's well well that now my your reputation to me is x or how you made me think or how you made yeah the big, the big, the big thing. I think the big, um, you know, all of those, whatever the definition is. I think the ones that we've just talked about there reflect an acceptance that it, these are not things that we we can try and shape, but we don't own them and we don't create them, yeah. and they don't live in our little PowerPoint slides, and and they and they're not static either. Because there's a that was old school marketing, wasn't it? This kind of sense that we've created the brand, and the brand is what I say it is here on this slide. Um, and it will never change for 40 years. And it sort of lives, you know, in carved into stone, you know, it was brand, I mean, it was literally pyramids and, and temples and things like that was kind of <laughs> quite, a telling, a, quite a telling metaphor. And I think now it's, no, these things are just much more loose than that. And they are not on my PowerPoint slide. They're in other people's heads and hearts. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think Martin Newmeyer, if I'm remembering correct, he said, it's not what we say it is, it's what they say it is. Um, yeah, and that's yeah your point yeah. exactly now I, I, jessica walsh um sagmar Saren walsh she says what does she say she says we should write we should have written these down i should have written these down um but she said something along the lines of if if if, if nobody hates it no one uh, no one loves it uh, mm. and i suppose i'm just interested i think it's really nice in terms of where brand and business is going is that there's transparency now that we have to stand for and do good things right we're trying mm. people have to be transparent right through their business um, and it's become much more brands have to be responsible you know they're responsible for the planet responsible for people um but i suppose just from your point of view in terms of like having a real stance you know um you know we've got some brands that really go for it some that don't how, how important do you think that is in, in today's world again i would sort of say it's um well, I think brands should have a stance. Um, I don't think it always has to be a particularly profound sort of social purpose stance. Again, it goes back to a little point about before about you know some in the way that some people that comes really natural to them and they have 
strong, genuinely held beliefs. Um, and other other guys are just, you know, our people are are lighter and just um, they still got a really strong personality, but they're just not they they're not politically sort of motivated. And so I think it's the same with brands. I think one of the mistakes again of recent years is this has has been brands feeling that they do need to have a, yeah. a particularly strong political belief. Then it doesn't have anything to do with even the category they're in. Um, let alone what they actually do. And sometimes it can be in complete contrast to what they do, you know, and then we just see through it and it it sort of um, annoys us rather than sort of attracts us to a brand like that. But if it's sincerely held, I mean, then then that is, you know, all you're doing is really sort of telling the truth about what you feel. You know, the, the classic example for us would be the co-op, which is 175 years old and was founded, you know, by some men in Rochdale as a way of, helping the community and ever since then you know you spend money there some of the money goes to the community so that is written into their mm-hmm. spirit and what they have done for the last 175 years so it's it's literally so the line that we've got for the co-op is it's what we do i mean it's not rocket science this stuff it's not like a it's not a csr campaign and it's not something that we've done for a super bowl spot it is yeah. just it's a shrug to it. it's what we do and I, I feel like i think all brands should have that sort of honesty to them, I mean, another great, another great quote for for sort of um, <laughs> uh, is, uh, and I will remember this one because it's my favourite. Is uh, Dolly Parton said, uh, "Find out who you are and do it on purpose." Have you heard that mm-hmm. one before? So Someone was talking to me about Dolly Parton this morning. I'm trying to remember who I was speaking to. Um, well, she's, I mean, she's obviously we all love her, you know, even more now because she's sort of helped find yeah. a vaccine last year. But I think that that thing, find out who you are and do it on purpose, is like brilliant because. A lot of brands don't, mm-hmm. they skip the first bit about finding out who they are and then they try and find a purpose that's mm-hmm. got nothing to do with, you know, the, the, what they what they genuinely are. So it feels false. And then they try and work backwards. You know, they, they'll have a brainstorm mm-hmm. with a marketing department about what should our brand purpose be. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not how it works. The brand purpose has got to be something that you had in the first place. Yeah. Why did you literally start this company and what do you do every day? Yeah. Um, and then we can find a nice way to bring it to life maybe but you can't just make this stuff up I don't think yeah it's trying to think it's trying to find authentically what's actually there yeah deep yeah. deep deep and what did you get why did you get out of your bed the first day That's to it. start this thing up you know? yeah 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 um so I, I, I'm just remembering the Dolly Parton thing someone said to me this I, I can't remember exactly who but I will remember um but they they said um there's a campaign, I, I, I can't remember who said it was, but it will, it will come to me soon. Um, but there's a, she's, instead of um, working nine till five, they've flipped it to working five till nine. And it's about, yeah. she's doing some sort of campaign about your nighttime hustle. Um, oh, so I, I think, we, what, what, what I've realised is I need a lot more Dolly Parton quotes from now on. She's she's uh, absolutely phenomenal, I think. She's, uh, she, I thought she created two songs, wasn't it? She wrote two songs on the same day. Um, I think I will always love you and Jolene in, wow. uh, and then the joke goes, you know, she probably wrote them nine till five as well. Um, you know, within those working hours, but, uh, I know that she <laughs> wrote them on the same day. So it's pretty amazing. Oh, well, so I'll need to, I think Dolly Parton has to go on the list of, um, brand experts that are coming on the show yeah. in the future. Yeah. I think that needs to be no. one on the hit list. Um, well, Andy, I'm, I'm conscious of time, but we do have quite a lot of kind of younger creatives who listen to the show who are trying to find their way into this world. Um, who It's obviously a little bit more challenging, um, although there could be more opportunity at the moment is another way to look at it. Are there, um, I suppose for them, how could they engineer a little bit more luck um, into getting into the industry at the moment? Is there anything advice wise that you could give to kind of younger creatives to help them get a kickstart and find their way? Um, into where you are now, kind of. Yeah. Oh God. Um, well, I think number one is just keep at it. It is tough, and it's. I'm sure it's tougher now than it's ever been. But keep uh, at it. You just have, unfortunately, have to be really resilient getting into the industry, and then you've got to be resilient when you're in, because of course we're in a, a world where ideas get, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, killed and broken and changed all the time. You've got to bounce back and find ways of dealing with that. So. Uh, Keep at it, um, and then the, the second thing: have it take. Give, make sure you've got a broad view of creativity, and because I think agencies are now increasingly interested in yes, people who can come up with interesting ideas in the usual sort of media, but you know, an idea could be a product idea or a um, you know a, a social initiative or a 
service uh, innovation or you know there might be all sorts of different things that you could describe as an idea so we're we're looking out for interesting ideas and culture generally um not just can you design a nice press ad in the way that you maybe we cared about 20 or 30 years ago um and then my sort of final top tip maybe would be sort of again one of the rules of um uh you know go lock yourself is if you start with let's try and find a negative about the brief that you're working on and um turn that into positive that is often where a lot of the best and edgiest um and most unusual work comes because of course most of the time we start we ask ourselves well what's the most positive uh, advantage of this brand what's the best thing we can say about it and yeah that often leads to good places but sometimes if you say what is the worst thing that anyone would ever say about this brand that can get you to counterintuitive ideas like it you know good things come to those who wait and we take the the idea that Guinness takes ages to get served, you know, that's been turned into a positive. That's a more interesting strategy than just talking about how lovely the taste of the Guinness is. So um, and so what I always do is when I would get a brief is I, I go on social media and I find out what what are the the most unpleasant jokes people make about the the brand. Because you know, people obviously slag off brands and and tease them or do cartoons or you know, and I think once you know what comedians are saying or cruel people on social media are really saying about the brand there's often quite sort of a cutting truth there that you can sort of play with a little bit oh i love it i love it that that now 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 any focus group just needs to be a group of comedians yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. what, what, what can you find at fault here yeah. <laughs> and then there's our insight for anything we take forward well andy that that was a a great insight to leave us with and i, I think a really nice tip for for everyone and i'm going to i'm going to take it and stick it in my brain as well because i think it's a really nice one mm-hmm. um you know, for for um, those that are listening, if you want to, um, you'll be able to find Andy's book. Um, we'll post a link in the comments below, but it's available on Amazon. It's called Go Luck Yourself. And date of uh, coming out again, Andy, is? Well, it's out in June, but you can pre-order it now. And actually, it's really helpful if you pre-order it now because it gets all the algorithms uh, going. So if you fancy it, order it now and then forget about it for a little while and it'll be out at the beginning of June. Yes, definitely do the pre-order. Um, uh, Jeff Bezos's algorithm will definitely <laughs> um, look much more favorably about the book. So um, thanks for listening. If you would like to support the podcast, please do rate and review us. It does help us get the word out. Um, we publish a new episode on the last Monday of every month, kind of, sometimes. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes it's a day before, sometimes it's a day after. Um, but Andy, thank you so much. You've been an absolute Amazing. delight. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Cheers.